My message today is entitled, Following the Example. One of the most amazing things about Christianity, I believe, is how its message has spread over the entire globe. And remember, this was before technology, right? I mean, think about how, how quick you can have, we have a student exchange daughter that we've been part of our family for a long time, and she lives in Ukraine, and I, we uh, message her all the time. We have friends that, uh, I, you know, my brother-in-law and his wife are missionaries in Gaza, Israel, Palestine, and so we, we contact people all the time. It gets quick. I, I mentor a young man in uh, Nigeria, um, a young pastor. We met with some people and, and, and are connected with people in India, all over the place. And, and yet the church spread all over the globe before there were phones, before there were computers, before there was internet and text. And How did that happen? How did that happen? And we know the Holy Spirit is the one that made that happen. It wasn't by man's effort, it was by man's willingness. But it still is amazing that Christianity, because not every religion covered the whole, the whole world, but Christianity did. Well, there was a reason besides that of, of, of why things happened and what that early structure or that early mission was to get the word out. In fact, Paul, in his writings, in his writings to the church at Corinth, he talks about this basic mission of how we are to conduct ourselves and how we are to spread all over the place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says this, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. It really is simple as long as we are following what's in the Word of God that Jesus gave us. Early disciples and Christian leaders simply followed Christ and then encouraged new people to follow them as they followed Jesus. Following the example that Jesus has given us is dependent on two things, which require our willingness and our obedience. First of all, we need all of us. We need to be willing to spend time in the Word of God to know and understand the example that Jesus gave for us. Now, going to church is great, and going to conferences are great, and reading books is all great, but we need to each for ourselves go to God for ourselves to get the direct word from God. So we need to spend time with the Word of God. We must be willing and obedient. Number two, we must be obedient to the Holy Spirit when he speaks to us through prayer and through the living word of God, telling us how to apply whatever is in the Bible to our lives. The Bible is not just a history book of what happened. It's the living word of God helping us to apply even today and especially today in the times that we live in. We must submit and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. It's not enough to know what Jesus taught. We must be willing to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit and obey His promptings in our lives. And with this perspective, we don't just learn about the history of Jesus like I shared. It's not just a bunch of isolated events that happen to other people. We learn how to apply these same spiritual truths to our own lives in multiple ways when we are willing and obedient to follow His example. So with that premise, I want to look at an example that Jesus set. It does cover 
a, a specific event in his life, but I believe it to be the direction for churches this day, and especially as we continue to seek our direction and discernment for what God would have us do right here, I believe if we follow this example, we would see God continue to move in great ways as he has been. I want to go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 35. It says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed, speaking of Jesus. The events that are described here in this passage are not just the recording of one of Jesus' miracles. They are also, as I shared, an excellent example in showing the body of Christ and each church how we are to reach the world for Jesus. We just need to follow the example that he gives. Before the day even starts, before any lists are made, before coffee is brewed, before agendas are put together, before anyone comes together to share ideas or plans, Jesus begins by getting away from all the distractions and goes to a solitary place and he prays. For all who follow Jesus, prayer is the only way to begin the day. Yet effort needs to take place to ensure that prayer is in a solitary place without distractions, if at all possible. I know it's not always possible. But if we make the effort like Jesus to follow that example, we can hear his voice even clearer so that when the Holy Spirit prompts us to do things, we know his voice and can distinguish it between, besides all the other voices in the world today. Getting away from others and phones and devices and any pets needing our attention is what requires is what requires required of us if we're truly seeking God first with all of our heart and our mind and our soul and our attention. When we take the time and make the effort to seek God away from all the distractions, we can be assured that we will know His voice. Jesus said, "My sheep follow me because they know my voice because they spent time with me." That's our goal. Not to give him a list of things we want him to accomplish, but to learn to know his voice so that he can speak to us throughout the entire day at any moment's notice. Mark 1.36 And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They didn't know where Jesus went. We see here that even Jesus' disciples had a hard time following his example. Let me ask you. Why weren't they out seeking God on their own in the morning? Why weren't they getting into their own solitary places? Getting away from distractions and seeking God in prayer? Human nature tells us that it's a lot easier to worry about things than turning to God in prayer. Trusting Him. Asking Him for discernment and direction. And letting Him bring peace to our anxiety-ridden souls. But this is exactly why we need to seek Him first each and every day. And it's not a shame if you didn't get out that day, but that should be our heart's desire. I want to spend time with my Father. I want to spend time with Jesus. It's not a ritual or, or, or obligation, but that's what we're saying. is that It was Jesus' desire to get out and spend time in prayer. We need to follow that, the model that Jesus the example of Jesus modeled for us. Mark 1.37 When they found him, they said to him, Everyone's looking for you. 
You know, sometimes I like to think of what, what they didn't say. They didn't say, Jesus, it's so good to see you. They didn't say, good morning, Jesus. They didn't even say, Jesus, we had a great time in prayer ourselves and we're ready for the day. How about you? No. <laughs> there was none of that. Rather, they decided to lead with something that almost sounded like shame. By almost accusing Jesus by saying, where have you been? Everyone's looking for you. Didn't you know that? We were looking for you. This is my paraphrase now. It's not in the Bible. You're nowhere to be found. We're all worried about you, Jesus. We didn't know what to even tell the others. We had no idea where you were or what you were up to. Well, do you remember that time when Jesus was 12 years old? And the family was in Jerusalem celebrating a festival and the family took off, both Joseph and Mary in different groups. They both thought that Jesus was in their company and they left without Jesus. And they were gone for a couple days before they realized that they were traveling without Jesus. And when they, they went back and they were all worried, the Bible says they were full of anxiety, they were anxious. And they came back, and you could even hear the inner voice when they said this. Because they had, they had succumbed to worry and anxiety. And so, in Luke 2.48, it says, When his parents saw him, speaking of Jesus, they were astonished, because he was teaching in the temple. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Do you remember Jesus' reply? He said this in Luke 2.49. Why did you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? It seems like even with our current scripture passage with the disciples, Jesus could have said the same thing. Why were you worried? Why were you looking all over for me? Why were you anxious and confused? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? And my father's business is prayer and communion and getting into a coming into a union with him. No matter what agenda the, wor of the world has for you, no matter what your job has for you, or even what your own mind puts on your plate, you cannot begin your days without spending quality time with God. We all must be about our father's business. It's not about blaming or shaming anybody. It's just an encouragement and an invitation to start our day. Because I don't know about you, but it's getting harder and harder to live out in that world there. We need to be about our Father's business and get to know His voice so He can direct us. It's like the soldier who has to walk through a bunch of landmines and don't know where it's at, but has to rely on his commander to tell him where to walk. God knows the landmines that are out there. We don't. But if we spend time getting to know His voice, and we can know his promptings and move to the left or move to the right or stop. God is trying to get us through each day, but we need to spend time to know his voice. Amen? We don't have enough time in our day. Then we need to start getting up earlier. Our passage today says that Jesus got up a long while before daylight. Now, some of you know that I'm a hunter. I have friends that I go hunting with. I will tell you 
that it gets harder and harder each time to get up early in the morning. Those who have done that, to go sit in the tree for hours and not see anything in the cold. But it's what we do. And so we have this saying about getting up early when every part of our body is protesting. And every part of our body says, just stay in bed, you can go for the evening hunt. We just simply turn to one another and we say, it's daylight in the swamp. Let's go. Meaning you can do your rest, but things can continue going on out there. If your body or your mind tries to tell you that it's just too much work or too much effort to get up to seek God at inconvenient times, just tell your flesh it's daylight in the swamp. Let's go. That's what Jesus said. Mark 1.38, Jesus said to them, let's go. Let's go into the next towns that I may preach there also. Because for this purpose I have come forth. You see, after Jesus spends time with the Lord, His purpose becomes clear. And His purpose is to go to the people. Go to their cities and into their towns. And not just expect that they are all going to have to come to Him where He is at. Following this example, as churches, as the body of Christ, we need to go to people. Connect with them where they are at. Not judge them because they are different, but let compassion be our guide as we follow Jesus' example. We need to be involved in people's lives and be committed to work through resistance to bring healing and hope and the truth of the Gospel. But it doesn't just happen by waiting for everyone to come to us. We need to go to them. The church is not a building. The church is the people. We need to take the church into the community to get the people to share the same blessing that we have, the light of Jesus and the hope of salvation. Mark 1.39 And Jesus was preaching in their synagogue throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. You know, Jesus didn't just pick one synagogue and put down his tent stakes. He went throughout the region of Galilee. He crossed over cultural lines. He crossed over family lines, different teaching lines, whatever it took to share the gospel. I relate that to us going on to heart, the, what God put on our heart to cross denominational lines within the Christian faith. To connect the body of Christ. Remember, denominations were things that man did, not God. There's no, there's no Baptist section or Presbyterian section in heaven. We're all one. And so we need to, yes, we have different flavors and different ways to worship and different ways to seek God, but we need to connect with our brothers and sisters around the world. Jesus went in all the synagogues all over Galilee. We need to cross denominational lines to connect the body of Christ. That's why it's so important all the things that we do and continue to do. Just this week I met with a pastor in, uh, 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 in Houghton Lake. I met with three other pastors in Grayling, continuing to see what, what, how God can bring the body of Christ together. Remember when Jesus was about to go in the garden, 
on the night he was betrayed. Remember, he said a prayer, and he said, Father, I pray that they all may be one. You see, when we come together as the body, we answer Jesus' prayer. How awesome is that? Well, we need to continue to follow this example and make it a priority. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Now a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. This is the opportunity for the church and the body of Christ today. If we are willing, willing, we can cleanse the world through forgiveness and love and healing of hearts and lives through Jesus. That's what we have to offer, and we have to offer it. But we have to be willing to go to them. We have to be willing to look past those who are different than us. We have to be willing to be less repulsed by the look of their sins, or their behaviors, or their attitudes, or their words, and instead be moved by compassion. Lepers were the outcasts of society. They were not even allowed to come near to people. In fact, think about this. They had to wear a bell around their neck so that if they approached someone, it gave them a warning for everyone to scatter so they didn't have to come even near or look or touch a leper. Can you imagine living like that? Lepers not only suffered from a terrible and painful disease that covered their bodies in sores and blood, but they got no relief or comfort from the touch of humans as well. I will tell you, we can never underestimate the power of human touch. The feeling of a handshake, a hug, a high five, a pat on the back. That's why it's so important for us every time to spend that time in welcoming. One of the hardest things for me when we had to go through all the COVID protocols with the say there's no more handshakes or hugs or talk or getting close to people. That was hard. Thank you that God is bigger and we're at a place now where we can do that. But we can never underestimate how much that is to someone, especially what like a leper could not experience that at all. We can never underestimate how important eye contact is. A smile. A hello. An invitation to come near. We have to be led by compassion. Especially when people are different from us. And I'm going to let you know, the more we get further in the world, the more they're going to be different than us. The more they're going to look different from us. And what makes us willing to draw to others is a simple humility that acknowledges that we are all in the same boat. You know what that boat is? When we're talking to people? It's what the Bible says. We all have sinned. My job is not to point out your sin or to tell you how your sin's worse than mine or how your sin's more repulsive than mine or I can't believe you're doing that. My job is to say we're all sinners. The Bible says. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible even says that the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And that's what we share. We don't leave condemnation. We're moved by compassion. And we give the answer because we have the answer that everyone needs. But we've got to go out and share it. You see, what's the difference between some, someone of us who may be the church 
and someone else who may be out there hurting, I'll tell you the difference. Some people have had better upbringing. I have. I was very fortunate. Some people had more, had, had more support from their family and friends when they've gone through difficulties. They weren't kicked out of the house or judged or been outcast. Some of us have had great resources that not everyone has. And so when they navigate the trials in this life, they don't always come back to where they should be. They get stuck in their loss. Not that they're bad, it's that they're lost and they need someone to shine the light of Jesus into their lives with compassion and not judgment. That really is the difference in so many cases. We need to remain humble. We need to be willing to heal. Willing to forgive. Willing to extend. And willing to share Jesus in our words and in our unselfish actions. Mark 1.41 Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand. You don't understand how powerful just that was. He stretched out his hand towards the leper. Remember, people scared away from him, but he stretched out his hand. He wanted that person to see his compassion in his heart first stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. Let us remember what should move us if we're following the example of Jesus. It's not about getting more members in our church. It's not about growing our church. It's about being Jesus to the world. God will take care of the rest of that stuff. We need to be moved by compassion. You see, Jesus didn't see differences and install his plan. He didn't get stopped in his tracks because of things that would repulse others. He didn't harshly judge those in sin. It's still sin. He didn't compromise the message, but he didn't harshly judge them and change the way he walked to avoid people. Rather, he stretched out his hand and he touched them. He showed by his actions and not just the mere words that Jesus is always willing. And thank God for that. I was broken. I was stuck in my sin. I had a lot of wounds. And Jesus loved me exactly where I was at. And he embraced me and he changed my life. But he loved me too much to keep me that way. And so each day, constantly day by day, he's making me become more like him. And there's days that I fall. And there's days that I mess up. And there's times when I sin. And there's times when I react wrongly. But my God is bigger than all that. Amen? He is an, 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 his grace is amazing. As long as we keep coming back to the cross, we cannot do it on our own. But by Jesus, we can do all things. Jesus is always willing. His willingness was not limited by His availability or His time schedule. In fact, if you do a study of Jesus' ministry, you will see that Jesus was almost always on the way to go do something different. He was almost always on the way to go visit somebody else. And somewhere along the way, he took time for people. He had eye contact, he talked, he took time to heal them, and he took time to listen to them. You've maybe heard us how to call these divine appointments. 
you call it what you want, but it's, it's, it's just being a Christian to the world. It's just having an open heart for those that God puts across your path. Jesus, Jesus took time to heal and to forgive and to teach and to love. Willingness is more than just making a plan to go out and serve at an obvious opportunity. Willingness is being ready at all times to serve the world for Jesus' sake whenever the opportunity comes. Sometimes it's in the middle of the night. I've had people call in the middle of the night and I've gotten up and gone to help people in the middle of the night. I'm not bragging. I'm sure you guys have done similar things like this. But that's what a willing heart says. It's not about, is it convenient for me? It's, God, how can I serve you? Because there's people out there who are hurting right now that need you. Willingness trumps over our comfort level, over our preparedness, over our agenda, and over our preconceived notions of what we think ministry should look like and when it should happen. The churches that are doing great things for God in the world today, and there's many of them, there's many great life-saving expressions of God in churches today, but the churches that are really doing great things for God are the ones who are willing to serve to meet needs whenever the opportunities come. Whether or not it costs money. Whether or not it requires a grand effort. Whether or not it comes at a convenient or inconvenient time. We must be willing to extend into the lives of others and give them Jesus. Mark 1.42 As soon as Jesus had spoken, immediately... The leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Do you see what brought the healing? The words of Jesus. His compassion brought the opportunity. It put him in that right place. His willingness made it a possibility, but it was his word that drove out the sickness. We have to know and believe that there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? We have to know and believe that there is power in the Word of God to bring healing, to restore hearts, to drive out sickness, to repair relationships, and to bring hope to the world. Compassion and willingness and love bring us to a place where healing is possible. But we cannot stop until we share Jesus. Until we pray for someone else. We have to teach the Word and pray the Word over people. I remember several years ago, one of my neighbors was moving, and I, I share God in different ways, and sometimes it's just, if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead, I kind of just love them anyways. And I, I was a big, burly guy, he was moving, and I never talked about Jesus, and he said, I put my house on the market. And I said, do you mind if I pray with you about your house? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, let's pray that God, and he said, I don't go to church. I said, it doesn't matter. We're a big guy. Can I pray with you that God would sell your house? Okay. And right there in the street, I grabbed his arms and prayed with him. His house sold like a week later. And he said, I, he, he said, all my friends, their houses are not selling. I don't know how it's happened. I said, it's because of God that happened. And it wasn't, it wasn't about me. It's about can I introduce Jesus into the equation. And not everyone's going to receive it. That's fine. But we can't just think that just because of our love or just because of our service that people are going to get the clue. They're going to see we care. But, but how much more will they see that I'm, I want to give you what I have. I want to give you Jesus. We need to give Jesus because it's the word of Jesus that brings the healing. 
It's the word of Jesus in prayer that brings restoration. We need to bring Jesus into the equation. He is the answer. Mark 1.43 And after Jesus healed him, it says He strictly warned him and sent him away at once. Now a lot of people don't understand why Jesus sent people away and didn't let them share the good news of His miraculous healing power. Was Jesus against evangelization? Was He against sharing the good news to the world? Well, from Jesus' perspective, He knew that His days were numbered. He knew that He needed to get around to as many people as possible before He was arrested and before He was crucified. And while it's important to witness to others and share the gospel every chance we get, as the Holy Spirit leads, the lesson that we can apply for ourselves is to be careful not to promote ourselves more than we promote Jesus. I remember when this church interviewed me, we were kind of getting to know them a little over three years ago. Each of us were kicking each other's tires to see what we were made of as we get to know someone. And they wanted to know, one of their interview questions, I can't remember exactly, but something like this, what kind of vision do you have to grow this church? What kind of ministries and what kind of programs would you bring in to attract people to the church? You know what I told them? I referenced how the early church started. It wasn't because of a program or a ministry or even a young minister to bring in young people. Acts 2.42. This is how it all started. Acts 2.42. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Just like the early church, we have to be consistent in all the basics. Solid teaching of the uncompromised Word of God in all of our services. And we have to be intentional about fellowship with others. That's why we're having a picnic today. We need to move out of our comfort zones and sit with different people and talk to different people because we're all a family. All of us. And I know we're closer to some, but if we're having fellowship, it should be spread around. We should embrace one another if we can. We should laugh with one another. We should serve one another and serve with one another and enjoy one another. It says we need to break bread. But the Bible told us that breaking bread is not just a ritual that we practice because we have to. The Bible teaches us there's a certain way to prepare our hearts before we break bread. Taking time to examine ourselves by dealing with sin by dealing with offenses, by forgiving others, so that we can go to the Lord's table in a worthy manner. And prayer must be paramount in all we do. With prayer we touch the hem of Jesus' garments. With prayer we commune with the Lord, which means coming into union with the Lord. Prayer heals all things and binds us to God's heart. Acts 2.43 then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. You see, the signs and the wonders were done to confirm the teaching of the Word. They were not done to bring attention to themselves or to the miracles. 
They were done to bring attention to Jesus and His message of hope and transformation and purpose. But this all happened because the apostles brought reverence to God. Fear came upon every soul. People were reverent in their seeking of God and did not become complacent or too casual. I'm just talking about this morning. There's, there's many churches that look different ways, and that's great. But when we try to make the church look too much like the world, there's no contrast. People need to see contrast, and need to, they need to see that what we can give them and what they can receive from a church is different than what the world can give them. If we look too much like the world and act too much like the world and talk too much like the world, they can find a, a similar comparison out there in the world. We can have fun and we can do great things, but we need to keep our reverence seeking of God so that there is contrast. Remember, God separated the light from the darkness. We love God, we love people, but we need to keep our reverence for God. And that's why in the early church, fear came upon their souls. They weren't so comforted that there wasn't fear. Fear came upon every soul. When it was time to fellowship, they enjoyed one another. But when it was time to seek God and deal with their sins, they were serious and truly repentant. When we maintain an atmosphere of reverence in our worship of God, seeking His face, then God is allowed to move freely upon our hearts with signs and wonders that still happen today. God still is in the business of healing. He still is in the miracle business today. Healing sickness. Restoring relationships. Restoring marriages. Bringing hope. Forgiving those in shame and breaking the chains of darkness. Acts 2, verse 44 and 45. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Just like the early church, we need to be one with each other, sharing a common mission to serve others without expecting anything in return. Maybe not even a thank or an appreciation or a notice. When we just truly serve one another, we become one with another. We need to put a much greater emphasis on our outreach as opposed to our in-reach. You see, too many churches today believe they have to create programs to get people to come to their church or to attract new people. So they spend much of their resources and their efforts on their church buildings. It's great to have a beautiful building. I'm very blessed. We are blessed to have a beautiful building. But they think if we spend more on the church that we could host more events for people to come to us. And that will increase our numbers. Events are great, but they have their place. If we spend all our time only doing things within the church, we miss the boat on what God called us to do. In fact, that's the exact opposite of how the early church started. Acts 2.46 So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. It was a daily mission to spend time together with God, not just a day on the Sabbath, but a daily mission. It was a daily mission to go from house to house 
to different people, to interact with other brothers and sisters of Christ. It was a daily mission to break bread in a worthy manner, examining themselves before God, confessing their sins, and we all sin. Receiving forgiveness, asking for forgiveness, extending forgiveness. Because they had learned to work through issues and resolve conflicts with others, because they were committed to one another in love, because they dealt with issues head on, they learned to truly love one another and actually enjoy one another. The result, as the Bible says, they ate their food with simplicity, with gladness and simplicity of heart. There was no judgment of others or false motives. They didn't talk behind the backs of others. In their most basic service to others, they were genuine, extending grace to all, and truly appreciated everyone in the family of God. Acts 2.47 Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord, here's the key, when they did those things and just did well on the basics and preached the Word of God and loved one another, it says the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It wasn't about the programs. It wasn't about the ministries. It wasn't about all the things they were doing. It was, I'm going to be faithful in seeking God and loving one another, and as I do this, God's going to take care of the rest, and God will add to this church, as he has in the three years since we've been here. When they were faithful in the basics, when they learned to love others and continued to teach the Word of God, the uncompromising Word of God, and seek His faith, something amazing happened. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When we keep our focus on God, when we seek His face, when we remain humble, when we take the time and the effort to work through issues, not run from them or ignore them or pretend they don't exist, when we work through issues, when we love one another, when we forgive one another, when we simply enjoy one another, the Lord will add to our church. We don't need to promote ourselves. We need to promote Jesus. And when He will add to our church family as we do this. He will call people just like He called my wife and I three years ago to come here and to be willing servants alongside of you all. We serve together so that we could see the amazing things that God has been doing and is continuing to do right here in this church. Let us simply choose to follow the example that Christ left for us. And when we do, God will give each of us joy in the process to love one another as preparation for living eternally with each other in the light of His love. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the power of Your Word that it is still alive and is endearing to the hearts of all. We thank You for the healing process, the healing journey that You've taken us on as long as we have been willing and obedient to follow You. We thank You that Your Word says that You are faithful to complete the work that You began in each one of us as we're willing and obedient to follow You. May You bless this church. May You cause us to reflect on the truth of this Word today. In Jesus' name, amen.